So in this episode, we're going to be covering two things, and that is bleached and natural filter papers, as well as single-dose coffee storage. While I could have broken these up into two separate episodes, I I didn't think uh, it would be very beneficial to do so and to really get into the weeds and spend 20 minutes talking about each uh, topic because they're just not that interesting for the average brewer. So if I were to spend like 20 minutes talking about filter papers, you'd probably fall asleep halfway through. And I know some of you guys are listening to this, you know, while driving, so I don't want you falling asleep. So the first topic we're going to cover is filter papers. There's been a big misconception about bleached filter papers, and I think it's important to hit that. So when I was figuring out what brewer I wanted to use, I thought, huh, you know, a lot of y'all seem to really enjoy the Chemex, and that also would help me drive a point home because it has some of it. I, I'm pretty sure it has the most filter paper out of any brewer, at least that I have in my home. Uh, so it made sense to, to use that. All right. We have, I, I forget the actual amounts. I think it was something like 5.5 grams uh, is, the, is the weight of the filter papers, something around that ballpark. So that that's a lot of filter paper. So we'll, we'll go into that and discuss kind of the, the pros and cons of natural versus uh, bleached filter paper. We'll start with natural filter paper first. I think that's a that's a good place to start. And this is where a lot of people think they're making the most environmentally conscious decision. And that's not a lie. It is environmentally conscious. It, it It's natural. It comes from trees. Uh, there's very few chemicals that are involved in that process. The downside of that is there's a very papery taste. Um, anyone who has used, especially the Chemex filter papers, if they don't rinse it, they might notice, hmm, my, whenever I brew with my Chemex, it always tastes a certain way. It always, there's just, there's this Chemexy taste to it. And that's, that's just filter paper that you, you are just tasting paper. And I know I harp on this so much, rinse your filter papers, but this is really where it comes into play, especially when you're using natural filter papers, because they do have that natural taste. As a matter of fact, if you were to put it somewhere on the flavor wheel, I would say, huh, this tastes a little bit woody, maybe a bit papery, maybe a bit like cardboard, and that's where it would where it would fall. That's that is the cupping note I would actually give a coffee if I were trying it through a Chemex that used a natural filter paper. And environmentalism is usually the biggest point about why people like those natural filter papers, right? And there's this fallacy that bleached filter papers are bleached with real bleach. There's a ton of chemicals involved. It's very unhealthy for you. But again, this is a fallacy. As a matter of fact, uh, what most companies do now uh, and and what Chemex does um, is they oxygen bleach their filter papers. This process involves very few chemicals as well. Um, It's still um, over time, as far as it being an economical choice, uh, the initial startup cost to get an oxygen bleaching facility set up, uh, it's expensive at first, but over time, make the money back. It's very economical. So companies tend to go in that direction rather than using chemicals over time. Uh, th- so again, this is just one of those fallacies that for some reason really, really stuck around. I know it was, I, I want to say somewhere in the like 70s, 80s time frame where 
even when we weren't at this like oxygen bleaching point, people were still, you know, saying, you know, this, this is a very unhealthy way to consume coffee, to filter out your coffee. And here we are in 2023. And for some reason, that's just stuck around. Uh, people still believe that, but it's, it's simply not true. And to, you know, add a little more peace of mind, at least for Chemex, they, they do publish their sustainability report and all of their filters are biodegradable and compostable. This is, this is a concern that I saw in the comments and I, I reached out and answered one of these guys about this, but, um, as far as composting goes, it, why would you not be able to use this filter paper? It is still made of paper. It is still made of, you know, from a tree and it's just oxygen bleached that's it so there there's uh, this again it's it's pretty frustrating to see because in the past i got a lot of backlash for using bleach filter papers and this is the reason i use them if we want to get right to the point why do i think they are so much better they they produce a cleaner tasting cup that's it i still rinse them uh, I don't think that they are completely lacking a paper taste because it's still a filter paper. <laughs> you still need to rinse it. But after you've done that, and I, I think for the, the Chemex example, I used like somewhere around 200 mils of water to rinse it, which is quite a bit. And this is water that I'm, I'm the water I'm rinsing with is generally around like, you know, two, it could be boiling. It could be down to like 205. As a matter of fact, I would go ahead and say, use water at boiling for just the rinsing portion because you're doing a two-in-one thing there. You're rinsing your filter paper as well as preheating your carafe. So we're not gonna have temperatures wildly fluctuating when you're brewing your cup. So the long story short of all of this is if you're using bleach filter papers, they're safe for human consumption and uh, for, well, for brewing <laughs> coffee. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, recommend eating the filter paper, but you can certainly brew coffee with it. Um, especially if you see, hey, this is an oxygen bleach filter paper. Um, if you like natural filter papers, if, if you just, for some reason, can't get away from using them, use them. doesn't matter. I mean, you're going to, what I think you're probably going to run into is an even more energy cost because you're more than likely going to require more boiled water to rinse that filter paper in order to get rid of that papery cardboard taste. And after you know, after rinsing it for who knows how long, you're still going to get some of that papery taste. It, it's still at the end of the day, I've used enough to know it's still going to retain that flavor. So it's just one of those personal preferences. I don't think you should be knocked for either or, uh, it's, it's, it's up to you, uh, get whatever, uh, tastes best to you, but also aligns with your beliefs. All right, so we discussed filter papers. We should be pretty good on that. I think we've nailed uh, what what needs to be known about that. And now I wanna get into single dose coffee storage. Now, we tend to store our coffee. If you don't store them in a bag, I know most people what they do is store that bag in some sort of airtight container or they clip the bag and you know, they do their best to prevent oxygen from touching that bag. For, from touching those beans. And, and the entire reason behind this is they're trying to prevent the effects of oxidation from occurring. Now, oxidation is going to cause what we perceive as staleness with our coffee. Um, I, I don't really need to explain what stale coffee is. I think most of you guys know when you, when you have a bag that's gone stale, it just kind of, it's, it's lacking. It doesn't taste very good anymore. So that's, that's due to oxidation. Uh, that, that's typically why after coffee's been roasted, um, 
after about three to four weeks, you start to notice this big drop in the, 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 the quality of the cups that you're getting. And, and that's because oxidation has really started to hit uh, its, its big full effect. And, you know, I was explaining to someone the other day about coffee storage. Um, what are the levels of kind of OCD <laughs> as far as it goes for preventing oxidation? And it kind of goes something like this. You're, you're first here. The average person will generally, you know, roll up the bag, maybe, maybe clip it, leave it, in, leave it in the bag that it came in, put it in a drawer. The next level we get to is someone gets an airtight container, they put the bag in there. And then the next level we get to is our coffee is dosed out into individual amounts in these tiny tubes that are either made of triton or glass. And then the top of those tubes are capped with a one-way valve cap. And that's probably the most OCD you're going to get. But single-dose coffee storage isn't all just being about OCD, it's probably the most effective way to prevent the effects of oxidation on your coffee. It also works out in another way that you can have pre-measured doses ready to go, right? So if I know every morning I'm using exactly 17 grams of a certain coffee, well, not only is my coffee each in its individual doses, the only time it's being exposed to oxygen is when it's being loaded into the tubes and when it's being taken out for use to, to actually brew. So that's really effective. And then, like I said, if you have them pre-measured, that's you're, you're saving a bit of time, right? Uh, it's kind of like meal prepping in a way. Uh, you don't have to make the meal at the end of the day. You've, you've dedicated a, a, a certain day, a certain period of time to prepping. Uh, so that's, that's probably the, the biggest um, convenience factor. Now, where do I see this being applicable though? Like we got, there's the most effective ways to do things and then there's the most realistic way to do things. So where do I see this being very realistic? Uh, where, where do I see people actually using this? Well, one place I've seen it being used um, is at specialty shops. So if I'm a barista and I am starting my day knowing that throughout the day, I am more than likely on average making about 40 pour overs a day. And I know I've got, oh, maybe three different types of coffee. Well, I know my ratios for those three different types of coffee. And I can pre-measure the amount of coffee that I need for each individual pour over. And that saves me a ton of time. So when, it's, when someone orders, all I've got to do, grab that tube, uh, load it into my grinder, and then get to brewing. It's that simple. It's that easy. It saves some time. And then most shops as well are using automated pour over system. So with that being added there too, it's like I have my pre-measured coffee that all I have to do is grind, put in my uh, automated brewing system. And then now it's, we've got an automated pour over that's occurring and that barista can go about and do other things. They can go and, you know, maybe pull a shot of espresso while that's, that's occurring. So that's a very, very good use for them. Another example I give is I'm, I'm preparing for an international competition, right? At the time of recording this, we're, we're about 13 days away from the World AeroPress competition. I, I also still haven't received my um, uh, competition roast from Onyx. So still don't know what I'm brewing with, but let's say I did. Let's say they actually sent it to me, um, you know, two weeks in advance and I had it with me right now. I could pre-dose the amounts of coffee I have for my championship recipe, okay? And I could have that ready to go every day from training, for training. Additionally, with that, 
the coffee isn't fluctuating very much in terms of freshness because it's only being exposed to oxygen twice, right? So that means during that 14 day window, I'm reducing the way that that coffee is going to taste so that I, I, so that I can stay as close to possible as how that coffee is going to be when it comes to competition day, when I get the competition roast um, that day, not the sample that I have. So you see what I'm saying here? That the convenience is that I have stuff ready to go that's been pre-measured and that I am doing the best that I can to prevent oxidation from changing the way that my coffee is going to taste uh, in, in a, I wouldn't say the long term, but within, you know, uh, that, that one to three week window. So we've identified that this is useful for professionals in a shop setting. This is useful for competitors who have to be very, very aware of small variables that could potentially influence their competition brews. But how does this apply to the average person? How does this apply to you? Um, and I think that the, the best way to look at this is that if you're very, very serious about freshness and you're not prepping for a competition, but you still want the best tasting cup every morning. Yeah, I think this is, this is useful. This is probably the best that you can do right now. Um, this is probably the best option as far as making sure every single cup in the morning is as good as it can be in terms of freshness. But there's a big downside. And the big downside is the, the, the initial cost to get these um, single dose coffee storage uh, sets is quite frankly ridiculous. Uh, generally between that 300 to $400 mark for a little, um, you know, little holder for all your tubes and depends on who you get it from. Uh, but you'll, you'll get like somewhere between, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe eight, maybe, maybe eight to 12 tubes. Uh, but again, 300 to $400 to keep your coffee, uh, as fresh as possible. I don't know that I agree with that cost. I, I, I haven't seen a transparency report of the cost it, it takes to, to manufacture these, but I, I don't think it, it I, I don't think that makes sense because I, I, rather than buying from one of these big name companies, I won't throw anyone under the bus here, but, um, I bought a, a supplier on Etsy had these same concepts, right? It was a, a glass uh, tube with a one way valve cap and they were charging something like, I forget what it was like $10 a tube. And that, that was, that was reasonable to me. Okay. So I bought a few of them and used it for the purposes of making a video, but I, I just do not see where companies are getting this 300 to $400 price point for something that's relatively simple to make. And we also have to remember that most bags on average for a specialty shop are between 10 to 12 ounces, right? Someone brought up the question of, well, what do I do with the rest of my bag? Well, you're probably gonna need enough tubes to hold 12 ounces of coffee, or you know, you could measure out the, you know, maybe half the bag into the tubes and then put the rest of the bag into a, um, you know, oxygen uh, sealed container, right? Uh, but, but then we run into, well, then why did I get the tubes in the first place? Because now the rest of my coffee, while it's still in a container, uh, <laughs> now I've got to break that out again at some point and then continue to expose it to oxygen. So it'll be exposed like, you know, uh, three to four times. So it's one of those things where if we're being realistic here, if we're being completely honest, 
I think if you're not in a professional setting, I think if you're outside of a shop, if you're not tra uh, training for a competition, this, this one probably isn't for you. I think that you would be doing better off by just buying a airtight container. Uh, and there, there's plenty of options out there. You don't have to get the ones from uh, Fellow or all these other big name companies. Get one that actually just works. Uh, I, I would never recommend something like that saying you have to stick to a coffee specific brand because there's plenty out there that do the exact same thing at a lower price point lacking the you know the the cool guys label on it so um yeah i think bottom line here uh, if you're not working in a shop if you're not training for a competition if freshness is important to you but maybe not that important get, get yourself an airtight container and maybe skip the 300 to 400 dollar um individual dosing storage tubes. And on that note, I do appreciate your time. I hope this helps answer some questions. I hope now that we've kind of defeated this myth about oxygen bleach filter papers being fucking Satan, and that we've also kind of identified that, yeah, you can do some things to make your coffee as fresh as possible, but might not be worth the price points where they're at now. So uh, once again, Thanks for listening. I hope this helps you. I hope this helps make your coffee better. And I'll catch you on the next episode of Degenerate Shrinking Coffee.